0: Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, hey, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, now, now. Isn't it such a stressful world we live in, whether we are under financial pressure, under business pressure, under personal pressure, either way, wherever we look, we are somehow stressed. It's just become part of our daily lives quite often. And very often we don't see the signs of this, the symptoms of this until it's much too late. Now, that's not good. If you're in business, you cannot possibly be at the top of your game if you are under all of this stress and all of this pressure. And more importantly, your physical health, your mentality and everything associated with your life is going to be affected. Now, that's the issue that we're going to define, challenge and conquer today. How you can stay at the top of your game in today's stressful world. And with me today is someone that I've spoken to on and off for a long time, actually, someone that I've spoken to in various groups on Facebook, and someone who I actually know quite a lot about through his podcast, Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. So it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to the show, Dr. David Kamnitzer. How are you, sir?
1: I'm great, Mark, and it's really an honor and a privilege to be here and have a chance to speak with you and to hopefully make a contribution to your tribe.
0: It's a really important topic as well. I think, you know, we we talk to a very specific business audience and it's very difficult sometimes to get some of the health related side of things out because there aren't many people that want to talk about it that much. And more importantly, I think us as entrepreneurs very frequently kind of put this to one side, you know, we, we, we kind of put our health you know, on the back burner, which I think is crazy. And very often it takes something like a burnout or in Chris Ducker's case, you know, a physical ailment to, to, to actually make us realize. So I'm really looking forward to digging into this. And before we do that, Dr. David, can you take us a little bit through, you know, what do you do? Tell us a little bit about freeing the body, freeing the soul. How exactly do you help people and what do you do on a daily basis?
1: Well, as you know, Mark, I have an interesting blend of skills and abilities in the sense that I'm both a holistic chiropractor and what's called an ontological coach. And ontological coaches work with people at a very deep level. We work at the level of being, at the level of what people are being, because it turns out that what people are being shapes and constrains everything. It, it, it shapes and constrains their perceptions and their thoughts and their feelings and their actions and um, it's a very difficult thing to get at what we are being because we were not never trained in our culture to examine what we are being we just kind of take our being for granted so like, you know a lot of times just changing an attitude or changing a strategy or a tactic or a behavior sometimes that is sufficient to get the job done but everybody tends to have these nagging, persistent, unwanted feelings and conditions that don't seem to give themselves up to typical self-help or psychological or um, holistic approaches. And then we have to go deeper to this level of investigating what it is that we're being. And as I mentioned, it's very difficult to do that on your own. So I'm an ontological coach, but I'm also a holistic chiropractor. So I'm very aware of the impact of structure and movement and proper rest and herbs and nutrition and breathing patterns and exercise patterns on our level of wellness as well. So I think my claim to fame is that I have expertise in both of those areas. And I've been doing this long enough now. I'm 59 years old and I've been in the healing arts since I was very young, like around 20 years old and I've been a holistic doctor for 28 years. So I have a, a large amount of experience that I bring to the blending of these two perspectives. And so that's kind of my, my claim to fame.
0: Wow. And that's, I mean, that's some journey. I love the marrying of those two kind of disciplines, if you like. And, and I'm really curious about the podcasting side of things as well. How did you, how did you decide to get into the podcasting world, if you like, because that's you know, it's it's quite a young world, even though it's been around 10 years. There aren't that many people on the grand scheme doing this. So wh- where did it fit in?
1: Sure. Well, I've always been a teacher at heart. I've always been an educator. You know, the word doctor in Latin means teacher. And, you know, we've kind of gotten away from that. But I really love teaching and I've done a lot of it. And so when internet radio came on the scene about 10 years ago, I was one of the first people to kind of get on that bandwagon, but it was a little expensive to, to do that. And I stopped that after about a year or so. And I've done a lot of radio, both on, on both sides of the microphone. And uh, when uh, I started hearing about podcasting, which was actually about maybe a year and a half ago from a millennial that I know named Dave Anderson... And then he told me about where he learned how to podcast from John Lee Dumas. And then I ended up becoming part of John's mentor community called Podcasters Paradise. And I realized that if I had the right technical support, that I could do this, that I had the skill set, I had the connections, that I could do it. And so I... I started to search my world for a person who I could partner with, who could handle sort of the website and technical ends of things so that I could do what I do well. And as you know, I found Brianna, my assistant. And so that, And you know, the rest is kind of history. It was a matter of then determining the title and uh, the format and allowing that to evolve. And then uh, fortunately, because. I have a good reputation and I've been in this game for a while, kind of the healing spirituality game. I, and I have a good nose for talent. It's been pretty easy to line up really high quality guests. And so about two thirds of the shows are me interviewing my high quality guests. And about one quarter to one third of the shows are guest hosts interviewing me about things that I want to talk about. So it's, Got a nice blend and a mix and a balance. And it kind of has a unique niche because the general trend is going towards shorter and shorter communications in our world today. And my podcast is kind of a throwback to an art form that is almost a lost art these days, which is the in depth interview. The average show that we do is about an hour and a quarter. And the reason for that is we take about a half an hour in the beginning so that the listeners can really find out about this person's journey and what makes them tick so that when we get into their work, there's a bondedness and a context. It's very empowering. So it's a little bit going against the grain and it's very unique. And I think people either really love it or or it's not for them, but for for those of us that really appreciate the in-depth interview, it's really a privilege to bring that art form to podcasting.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I really like the idea of doing that because I think podcasting, like you say, is becoming shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think that works for various reasons with various audiences, but there are so many shows out there now starting to buckle the trend just like yours. And, you know, to to slightly digress a second, I think, you know, shows that really dig into a subject like yours, but also like the real behemoths, you know, the, the hardcore histories of the world that sometimes, you know, sometimes you've got a three, four hour show there and it, you really feel like you've got so much value from that it's not just um you know an out of the out of the box interview if you like it's a very in depth piece of content so i can really see the value in doing that and it's quite interesting how has it how has it impacted what you were doing with people in terms of your brand and bringing everything you do together do you find that the podcast is kind of the glue for everything or does it sit outside of everything how does it fit together
1: well i think it empowers me and and it also empowers my patients and my students like for example it separates me from the crowd of other chiropractors and other coaches because i can direct people to this incredible resource that i have created that it 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 is a differentiating factor plus also it's a demonstration of my my abilities so for example if someone listens to me being interviewed or interviewing someone and they see the quality of my thinking and my caring and my, um, the excellence which I bring to my work, it speaks for itself. So instead of me having to toot my own horn, people can have their own direct experience. And then, of course, it's a resource. So, for example, if I'm talking to a patient or a student or a client, something that m- I might take a lot lot of time to explain to them one on one. If we've talked about that in the podcast, I can just direct them to that resource. So it 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 has a lot of benefits from a lot of different angles.
0: Yeah, I agree with that completely. It really fits in with most businesses, I think, and 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 solopreneurs and so on. I think it's a fantastic medium. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. I think that's amazing. And let's just shift again gear now into you know the specific issue at hand. And so staying at the top of your game. In today's stressful world, what is the background to this? Because we chatted about this in the pre-interview chatter, and I'm really curious to see what kind of people present themselves to you. How do you help people with this, and what what is the typical scenario and the situation that people are in when they come to you in this regard?
1: Well, my practice is very broad. I I, I do everything from you know treating specific. Um, illnesses and accidents and ailments to people that are coming for, you know, peak performance wellness coaching uh, for people that are coming for uh, spiritual guidance. So it's very broad. So the context can differ greatly. But I can definitely tell you that no matter where people are starting at, in terms of people who consistently play at the top of their game, there are definitely patterns. That I have noticed that are consistent, and you know, you asked me to come up with just three areas that you know I've noticed consistently that we could expand on. But there's a lot of factors that go into playing at the top of your game because we're multi-dimensional creatures. We have spiritual and mental and emotional and energetic and physical dimensions. Plus, we're social creatures. So there's so much that goes into being at the top of your game. And I think having a good map of the territory is really important. And I think having a really powerful why for why you want to be at the top of your game is enormously vital. And that segues into one of the three areas that we were going to talk about is the power of purpose. Um, this might be a good time to go into that. And that is that I've noticed That if someone is not really deeply passionately connected and clear about their purpose in life, they tend to get off track very easily. They'll trip out on a certain thought pattern or a certain mood or a certain feeling or a certain behavior pattern. And they'll just kind of get stuck in it because there's nothing bigger than that that they have as a reference point to come back to that's drawing them out. And also, there's not a an energy that's bigger than they are as an individual that they can pull on that's empowering them. And many people have have heard a lot about purposeful living, but I find very few people actually are consistently doing it. And what I've discovered from working with thousands of people is that the people that have a difficult time connecting with their purpose Are people that are trying to figure it out? It's like they're sitting on the sidelines and they're like, they're in this delusional thought pattern where they think they're going to figure out their purpose while they're sitting on the sideline and then they're going to jump in and then they're going to participate fully in life. And it never works that way. You know, tomorrow never comes that way. You know, that really purpose is not something you figure out. Purpose is something that's already within you. Like the way, uh, like if there's a seed, the tree, the mature tree is already inherent in the seed, but there needs to be certain conditions that allow the seed to flourish and express itself. There needs to be water. There needs to be certain temperature, certain humidity, certain pH, there needs to be certain nutrients in the soil, there needs to be a certain day-night rhythm and cycle. And then, sure enough, the 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 potentialities of the seed, once it makes its connections with life, begins to flourish and its own nature tends to come out. And we're very similar in that way, that we were created, each individual was created for a reason, with a purpose, But you can't discover it by sitting on the sidelines and trying to figure it out. You have to get into the arena of life and start participating and make real connections and real vital relationships and following your joy and where your energy is taking you. And as you do that and you step out into life in faith and consciousness, what happens is your purpose starts to reveal itself. It starts to unfold itself as you continue To stay connected to that which brings you the greatest joy and upliftment, and that which seems to bring out the best in other people. And so I want to really encourage people to make it a high priority to live in such a way that your purpose begins to unfold and reveal itself in real vital living kinds of ways. So that is, um, that's kind of a segue into the first thing that I wanted to talk about today.
0: I think it's really interesting, and we, you know, we spoke about uh, the, the three parts of the show, and I think it's interesting to dig a bit deeper into this because you'd mentioned not only discovering but then committing to living that unique purpose, and I'm quite interested in the the, the very specific daily habits that we might be able to undertake? Like how does someone move from this mindset of sitting on the sidelines to actually getting involved and living this life of purpose? How can someone do that very practically?
1: I think first someone has to realize that that's what they're doing. Until you realize that you're sitting on the sideline trying to figure it out, then you can't realize that that's what you're doing and you can't stop it. And then people who do that it's it's challenging work because as they confront the possibility of committing to really getting out into life fully and participating, it brings up a lot of stuff for people. And one of the things that it brings up for people is their fears of failure and their fears of success and their fears of visibility. And these are things that have to be dealt with one way or the other. And so these are some of the things I help people deal with. And that kind of segues into the second sort of area or tip that I wanted to get into today. with And that is that one of the things I've noticed about people who sit on the sidelines and they're afraid to fully participate in life and they're afraid to fail, they're afraid to get dirty, they're afraid to make a mistake, they're afraid to be seen, they're afraid to make a big impact, is a lot of these people are stuck in a pattern of what I call perfectionism as opposed to a healthy commitment to excellence. And so if we have time, I'd like to get into the distinction between perfectionism and a commitment to excellence.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, please let's dig into that because I think it's perfectionism is something that can hold us all back if we're not careful. So yeah, absolutely. Let's dig into that.
1: So let's explore them because in some ways they're similar, but in some ways they're very, very different and they have completely different impacts. So in perfectionism, what a person is doing is they're comparing a static image of the way they would like the world to be or the way they would like themselves to be or the way they'd like a situation to be. They're comparing it to the way that it is. And then what they're doing is they're judging either the way that it is or they're judging themselves or they're judging another person and invalidating either the current reality or the people involved as being bad or wrong, and they get stuck in that kind of negative judgment. And then they make up a lot of stories about themselves and other people and about life and about their future. And so they, they're not available to the joy of the moment. They're not available to the resources and opportunities at hand because they're judging and invalidating the present moment and they're always comparing themselves and everything that's in the present moment to some idealized image of the future and of course that never comes even if they can even manipulate reality to get it to look like the image it's never like the image exactly because reality is not an image reality is real life and even if you could get it to match Then they would be afraid the next minute that it was going to start not matching again so it's rooted in a tremendous fear of life itself and uh, it produces a lot of pain and suffering for people plus it also doesn't allow people to produce powerful results now that's in distinction in contrast to a commitment to excellence now what they have in common is both the person committed to excellence and the perfectionist is going to have high standards and a vision and high ideals. But the difference is, is that the person committed to excellence is also completely accepting current reality. And they know that if they're at point A and they want to get to point B, they know that the best way to get from A to B is to make peace with point A, to love their life now to make peace with their life now to appreciate their life now to be loving now to do to be honest now to do the best they can now to be forgiving now and so because they're embracing the now they have access first of all they're enjoying their life and secondly they have access to all the resources at hand that could help them to move more toward point b because If you're at point A and you're going to move toward point B, the only way you're going to do that is to access the resources, both internal and external, that are available to you from point A. But if you're a perfectionist, you're judging and invalidating your current reality, which is going to shut down your access to opportunities and possibilities and available resources. Plus, emotionally, you're going to feel in a kind of a downer, bad kind of a space. and so a lot of what I do with people, both people that are coming for healing, people that are coming for peak performance, people that are coming for spiritual growth, is I guide them into this inquiry of looking at to what extent they're stuck in perfectionism, to what extent they're open to shifting that into a commitment to ongoing excellence. And that is incredibly powerful. And then when people make that shift, they're much more likely to get on the playing field.
0: Yeah, it makes a big difference that because it's it's often the fear of the perfectionism, sorry, the fear of perfection if you like that stops us getting started, isn't it? It stops us taking that first step and how do you help people? I mean, it feels like those first two points are quite closely linked as you alluded to. And how do you tactically help people? You know what what steps do you go through with people? I imagine is it is it different for different people or do you have a
1: Yeah, absolutely. it It depends where the limiting factor is for that person. You know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And so a lot of it is my skill and ability to identify for people where the weak link is, is your weakest link right now in, uh, in some kind of, uh, mental emotional challenge you're having is it a spiritual confusion is it a physical issue is it a biochemical issue is it a structural issue is it that you don't have your um your support system set up either uh technologically or socially so there can be a lot of factors that can limit people's health or limit people's enjoyment of life or their effectiveness in life so a lot of what i do is approach people holistically and get to know them and in different ways, both through verbal and nonverbal methods, to find out where the weakest link is. And then, of course, another factor is the client or the patient's readiness and willingness to grow and to confront things and what pace they want to go at because some people really want to go fast And some people really want to go slower. And so I'm not here to make people go the way I think they should go or at the pace that I think they should go. I'm here to meet people where they are, really understand where they want to go and really do an accurate assessment of where their current blockages are so that we make the intervention or the combination of interventions in the way that's going to produce the most bang for their buck.
0: Very curious. I'm very interested to find out a little bit more about that. It's something that I would imagine continually can be optimized as well. Is that, and this? I don't know whether this sounds right or not, but it feels like there's no end to this. You know, you continually changing this and tweaking it and adapting it as your life changes. Does that does that accurately reflect how you work with people? Are you are you always working on this with people?
1: Well, I would say growth is a ongoing process, and as you continue to grow. Uh, and you start impacting greater dynamics, there are new principles that need to be, and abilities that need to be mastered, but there are definitely foundational principles that are consistent all the way through. Like, for example, if you want to have a health, if you want to be an excellent CEO, uh, you have to have a skill set that's beyond if you just wanted to have excellent one-on-one relationships, however, all the skills that you've developed to have excellent one-on-one relationships are a necessary foundational skill set so that when you develop the skills that are necessary to masterfully function as a head of a company, it's, it's on a firm foundation. So there are certain universal principles of success that and certain skills that will be valuable at whatever dynamic a person is functioning like for example the ability to honestly be aware of what it is you're aware of and to tell the truth about that to yourself or the ability to compassionately to have compassion for the current reality of yourself and other people or to have a sense of possibility for yourself and other people and to have a love for life and to treat yourself and other people with respect and honesty and justice and kindness. These are universal principles that will stand the test of time and be expressible at every level of life. And so these are foundations that have to be well established, but depending on the person's goals. And what level they want to have an impact on, and how complex the structures of their life are, they may need a special skill set that requires a whole new level of practice and a whole new set of distinctions. So, for example, for me to become an excellent holistic chiropractor, that opens up a whole new area of learning for me. Or for me to become an excellent ontological coach, that opens up a whole new level of learning. Or to you know, become an excellent podcaster, there's a whole new skill set, but these foundational skills will translate through all areas. So I would say it's a mixture of universal principles combined with a sensitivity to the specifics you're dealing with and the dynamics of life that you're dealing with.
0: Fantastic stuff. Now, th- there is also a third element to this as well that you mentioned right in the beginning. And I'm quite curious about this one because this is more on the nutrition side, isn't it? Let's just dig into that for a second.
1: Right. So as I mentioned earlier, the limiting factor can be on many, many levels, biochemically, structurally, socially, spiritually, mental, emotional patterns, uh, uh, um, uh, strategies and tactics for Uh, organization and time management. And one of the really big areas right now where it's a big deal in America, it's not such a big deal in other countries that have banned genetically modified foods, but in America, it's not banned and they they don't even have to label yet. So one of the things I find in my practice is that uh, because of the way that I practice, I have ways of monitoring the the condition of the human energy field in real time. And one of the things that we've discovered is that uh, one of the things that distorts the energy field almost 100% of the time is when people are consuming genetically modified food. And um, so I have demonstrated to myself hundreds of times in private practice that as I help people to get away from genetically modified food and to deal with the toxic residue of the genetically modified food intake that the quality of their health, the quality of their energy field, the clarity of their approach to life, their access to even sustained energy, um, and even to compassion, even very often takes a quantum leap and, um, it's so important to let people know about the impact of genetically modified food. And there's an organization called the Institute for Responsible Technology that's completely dedicated to educating people about the truth about genetically modified food. And the the the, the founder and leader of that organization is Jeffrey Smith. And so if you just Google Institute for Responsible Technology, or Jeffrey Smith, GMOs, you'll find them. And they're doing tireless work to raise awareness about the impact of genetically modified food. And there's more and more scientific evidence, uh, very hard scientific evidence now about what it's doing to animals, what it's doing to plants, what it's doing to the soil, what it's doing to our microbiome. It's, uh, It's just a devastating... Human experiment right now. Wow. I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm I'm one of those. In the UK,
0: it's not necessarily that big a deal. So I'm one of those that's a little ignorant on that one. And is it when you when you talk about, I mean, in the business context, when you talk about that that drive and that desire to be at the top of your game all of the time, you know, we we talk about this focus, this flow, and this, you know, we're always constantly banging on about productivity. The nutrition side of things is very often overlooked, isn't it?
1: I can just tell you that unless your energy field is clear and balanced and buoyant, you're not going to be able to function at the top of your game. You may be able to function well, but it won't be the top of your game. And I can demonstrate over and over again 100% of the time that people that are consuming genetically modified foods do not have a balanced, buoyant, coherent energy field.
0: I think that's really really interesting. I and personally it's something that I overlook myself completely. You know, we, we think about um I guess we think about being really again focused and productive and staying on top of our game in terms of the output, in terms of the way that we you know like go to the gym and things like that that we take for granted, but I would never consider that side of the coin and I think unless you hear it from someone like yourself, you your mind actually wouldn't get opened up to that. So I think that's very, very curious. And David, we've just actually reached around the 30-minute mark. So we are going to put a pin in that. That's, that's come extremely quickly. It's always a great chat when I say about three words and the guest does all of the talking. So thank you so much for that. I think we've, we've picked out some fantastic points. But just before we wrap it, what I'd like to do is, first of all, recap those three tips for people. So actually, if someone wants to stay on top of the game, what can they do very specifically to do this? What three things can they take away from this? So I hope that I've been able to summarise these properly. But actionable tip number one is discover and commit to living your unique purpose. Actionable tip number two is to embrace excellence and release perfectionism. And number three is go GMO free. Have I summarised those about right have I
1: done those justice, sir? You have. I would just say that the that the, the the advice about going GMO free is part of a much larger concept, which is keeping your energy field clear and balanced and buoyant. And there's so many factors that contribute to that. I was just using GMOs as one example of a really important variable that many people might not know about. But if you get it, ever get a chance to work with a holistic practitioner who's able to evaluate and improve the condition of what's called your morphogenic field, I would highly recommend that you take advantage of it. And it's amazing when when you do keep your field in that kind of condition it's amazing how easy it much easier it is for the body to heal itself and then when the body heals itself it's so much easier to think more clearly and to have your emotions be more peaceful and balanced and to be open to your spirituality and your your divine destiny so this is something that uh for people you know unless you unless you really are staying abreast of what's on the cutting edge in terms of quantum physics and its connection to human biology. This is something you probably wouldn't be aware of, but you'll be hearing so much more about this over the next five or ten years. And I know that your listeners are are early adopters and they want to stay on the cutting edge. And so if I can be of some help, I'm happy to do that.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And actually, that's a really good place to ask. Where's the best place for people to connect with you online if they do want some of that help from you, sir?
1: Well, uh, first place I suggest that you go to is CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's w C-U-T-T-I-N-G, Cutting Edge, E-D-G-E, Doc, like doctor, D-O-C. So that's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. And you'll find all the podcasts there. You'll find background information about me and my work. You'll find uh, favorite quotes. And then you'll find an opt-in form if you want to be on my contact list. And then there's also a contact form where you can, um, you know, request to be in communication with me. That's a, that's a great place to start and to get into my world.
0: Super stuff. Dr. David Kamnick. thank you so, so much
1: for joining me. It's been a real pleasure, sir. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for the time, Mark. Uh, the time has really flown by and I just, before I go, I just want to publicly give a thanks to Mark because as a podcaster, Mark's providing a service for me called Podcast Websites that is just making my life so much easier and my assistant Brianna's life so much easier. And so I just want to say, Mark, on behalf of all the podcasters that you're serving, you really are making a difference. And, and it's it, it's it, it's noticed. It's, it's noticed and it's really appreciated, Mark.
0: Oh, Thank you so much. That means a lot. It really does. And I'll I'll pass that on to to Kieran and John as well. Thank you so much for that. David, you were a founding member back in February 2015. So thanks for sticking with us throughout that. It's uh, it's a pleasure to see how the show's grown. So as I say, thanks so much for that. And guys, don't forget everything that myself and Dr. David have spoken about will be available at excellence-expected.com. I've really, really enjoyed that. I, I love to see things that link into business people's lives that we don't necessarily think about. It's not all about social media and marketing and HR and, you know, personal development. So this, honestly, I've enjoyed this so, so much, guys. If you are particularly inspired, as I said, head over to excellence-expected.com where you'll find all the links to everything that David has just mentioned. Thank you so, so much for choosing to spend this half an hour with us. And don't forget, guys, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adiós.